And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome back to Fasten Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and today we're going to jump back into our exciting new series, so let's listen in. Okay, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? <laughs> it's really something. They don't know this is Jesus. He's the resurrected Savior. They don't know who he is. And one of the reasons they don't know who he is is, number one, Jesus' physical cha- form must have changed quite a bit from the time you know, within the last two weeks, going all the way to crucifixion, you know, he was beaten to a pulp, you know. So I don't know if that's part of the reason they don't recognize him here or just in his risen state. He's in a perfected state and they don't they don't um, see him. But what we do know is that when he rises from the dead, he is rising as a body. He has a body. In fact, he eats fish and honeycomb. Mm-hmm. So not only do we know what's going to happen to us in the future, we're going to have a body that um, is going to be recognizable because Peter and James and John recognized Moses and Elijah. They don't recognize Jesus right away, but they will once they see the nail prints in his hands at the supper that he's going to break bread in just a few verses. And I believe the same is going to be with us. I'm so excited that we're going to eat in the new kingdom. I can't wait. Very first thing Jesus eats is broiled fish. I love it. That's crazy. Yes, I'm going to have grouper. Verse 18. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, oh, there we get a name, answering said unto him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem, and you do not know the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? This is really, you got to just look at this whole thing with Jesus kind of like, is part of the story here mm-hmm. where he's playing playing them, not playing them, but Leading them on, because he knows who he is, obviously. He knows what just took place. Mm-hmm. But he asks them the question, what things took place recently? And they said, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. Now, picture you being, okay, you being there and them telling you this, how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned and to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also. These guys don't, they don't stop talking about what had happened. They're full of all kinds of, you know, sadness and as well as this emotional, you know, buildup in their lives. Certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher this morning. And when they found not his body, they came saying, they have also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. (laughs) And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found even so, as the women had said, but him, Jesus, they saw not. Then Jesus said unto them, this is really something, the very first thing that comes out of Jesus's mouth here. O fools, and slow of heart, or dull of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Okay, let's stop there for a second. A lot of times in our Christian lives— I believe that we begin to know something and we begin to grow 
but we just kind of like, okay, we're going to rest now and just, we're not going to go any further. We don't have the perseverance to keep going and getting really intimate into the Word of God, really studying the Word of God. We, we leave it mostly undone because we're lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't really have the intensity that is needed to really know God intimately. You know, I've um, just recently, I got to be a part of a, a mystery dinner theater, and um, our lead person um, moved to a different state, and we weren't going to be able to have him perform that part of the character, um, Chadwick Fitzgerald. And uh, so the only one left to do it was me. And it was really hard. I mean, I had to memorize all these lines. I had to memorize, I think it's close to 14 pages of lines. That's a lot of lines, right? Mm -hmm. And for the first three weeks, I kept messing up in play practice. And I felt like everyone was like, they were praying for me, but it didn't look good. You know, and I just kept going and going and going. And I had to really persevere and memorize my lines. And now I think I've pretty much got them. (laughs) But can you imagine? Tabitha, can you imagine if I spent that kind of time every day studying God's Word and memorizing God's Word? Why can't I? I can do that. I should be doing it. In fact, it has inspired me and motivated me to actually do that. My goal is uh, one year from now, I will have memorized the entire book of Philippians. That's my goal right now. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, And this inspired me. If I can do that on a secular level, I should be able to do this on a spiritual level. And so— Jesus, as he's talking with these two men, these men get to where they were supposed to get to, and Jesus makes it as though he would have gone further. And I believe that Jesus does that in all of our lives. He's willing to stay with us if we're willing to do our part. There's more to be told. It's interesting here, and I I didn't see this this morning when we were doing it for devotions, but he's saying, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And then... It's interesting because it's almost like, you know, they had believed all of these crazy stories from the beginning of time until Jesus, right? And then Jesus comes and he does all these crazy things, but they just don't see it. And like, it's very easy to read the Bible and to be like, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. And this is the God of the Bible. Okay, cool. But do I really, and recently I've been challenged with this in my own life, like, do I really believe that God can do these things in my life and in in my heart? Is he still moving and working like that today? Mm. And so there they are. Do they really believe that Jesus is going to rise from the dead and all of these things are going to happen? Like, those are crazy things. And it's a lot easier to believe something that happened in the past than to believe that it could be true for you today. It has to be true for us today. Yeah. Or it's not real. They're just stories. Right. You know? Because they heard all these stories. They memorized scripture. Yeah. Now they've got the scripture being revealed to them, lived out right before their very eyes. And Jesus is going to keep going, walking on by. He's going to walk on by if they don't stop him. So they have a decision to make. They're going to like, okay, he just expounded for seven miles. Mm -hmm. Seven mile walk. That's from here to Wegmans here in Western New York. (laughs) And, And during that seven mile walk, which would have taken a minimum probably of three hours, but we probably know now that it took a lot longer because whenever they started this walk, when they get there, it's nighttime. Mm-hmm. Most likely they started out in the morning. So these these seven miles was not just like on a straight path all the way to Emmaus. 
There's a lot of rugged territory to get through. So when they finally get there, it's nighttime, and Jesus is walking as if he's going to keep walking on by. And what do they do? This is cool. cool. Verse 29, but they constrained him. I love this. Guess what the word constrain means here? Parabizomai. Okay? Parabidizomai. Paradimizomi. It's all kinds of pronunciations in the Greek. Kind of a fun word. (laughs) This is the word for, guess what? Forcing somebody. I love it. But why were they forcing him? Because they didn't want him to leave. Why did why did it say he was? This leave? Greek word means forcing someone contrary to what they want in their lives. They're going to make Jesus stay. Jesus is walk is Jesus is making it seem as if he's going to continue to walk on by and leave them behind. But they are going to constrain him to stay. They are going to force him to stay. You, you got a puzzled look on your face. Let's 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 unpack it. Oh no no it was that just verse twenty eight. I think we. And they drew nigh into the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jesus is going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there they are watching Jesus walking. He's continuing on. That's crazy. And, uh, and they've got to make a decision. They just heard the scriptures expounded from Genesis all the way to, you know, the New Testament mm-hmm. where Jesus is on the cross. Jesus tells them everything that he knows about him. Every prophet that has ever written anything about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the life of the Messiah, he just, they just got the whole thing. This is the first time in human history that everyone has heard a sermon from God himself it's like crazy. this. Yeah, everything that had to do with the Messiah being born, dying, and rising from the, from your, the grave. Your brain would hurt a little bit after that. <laughs> actually, what actually happens is it says their hearts burned within them. Mm. They were on fire hearing the word of God. And by the way, for those that are pastors out there, and I say this to myself, and it rebukes me, when we share the word of God, it should be on fire. Mm. You know, there's no question about it. We should be so studied up that we speak out of a cup that overflows, never out of the cup itself. That's how we should approach God's word. It's the most powerful thing in the universe. But we have to be studied up in order to share it. A lot of preachers today, they, they, they preach out of the, you know, they, out of their, what is it called, out of the hip? <laughs> What's that called? <laughs> I've never heard What's that, that before. What's that called? Um, preach out of the hip bone? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. What? They shoot from the hip. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's called like, you know, if you've got a gun in the Western, you shoot from the hip. <laughs> oh, I always thought it was a basketball metaphor. <laughs> no, you shoot from the hip. Oh, maybe it is too. I don't know. But it's just kind of a spontaneous, you don't have to be prepared. You shoot spontaneously. Yeah, and, yeah, wing it. Yeah, and I think a lot of preachers do wing it today. And, and some preachers are very overly prepared where they read their sermon and there's no fire in there. There's got to be fire and the fire comes from knowing God intimately and proclaiming him passionately and partnering with him. And being real in your life. It's got to be. There's, we've got to come to the pulpit or to the classroom to where God has done significant things in my life this week. If he hasn't, then we're just, we're like the wind. You know, it's, we don't know where it came from and where it goes. We're, it's just, you can't hold on to it. No, there's no, there's no real testimony. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Mm-hmm. And that word sure in Psalm 19 means a foster father who carries a child through 
difficulty, giving him sustenance, and making sure that he's cared for. That's the word sure. And so the testimonies are sure, meaning that we look back and we have all of these sure testimonies of God carrying us through, and we get to share them with other people. So picture this, everyone. Here it is. Jesus tells them all the things in the scriptures concerning him, and he gets to Emmaus with these two men. They don't know who Jesus is yet, and he continues to walk on by, and they constrain him, saying, abide with us. Now, they say abide with us, but the Greek word again, now abide comes from the word meno, which is what John 15, um, it's where the word Mennonite comes from, meno. And um, What does meno mean? means to be at home with somebody, oh, okay. to abide with somebody. That's where John 15 is, um, you know, abide in me and I in you. Mm, the branch cannot beautiful. bear fruit of itself. So, so Jesus is to be at home with us. Yes. Be, they constrained him and said, be at home with us. Mm. We want you to come to our home. We want you to stay with us. This is remarkable. They still don't know who he is, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All they know is that whoever this guy is. He's he starting kno- to give the answers that they've been looking for. Yeah, they know the scripture really well. Can you imagine being around someone that knows the scripture really well? That like you want to be around them all the time, right? All They, they talk and speak the scriptures. Um, yesterday, a friend of mine called me and uh, from, uh, from Georgia. And he said, Mark, you would not believe the gift, the gift that I just got. I said, tell me about it. He goes, a friend I haven't seen in years. Mm-hmm. He goes, he called me up the phone, said he was going through Atlanta, and he looked me up, and he said he wanted to come over and give me a gift. He said, I just happened to have a—we were having a party that night. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of friends over at this party. And so this friend that I haven't seen for years came over, and uh, let me uh, let, let me go back to Luke 24 in just a second. I'm going to tell you what the friend said. Are you ready for this? This is so cool. Um, the friend said this. It's a, he said, uh, he walked in the house and he saw John for the first time. And he said to John, he said, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. John, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. And you're always in my prayer of mine for you in all making request with just pure joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he, which has begun a good work in you, John, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even at, And he just kept going. He is the gift. He gave John a complete memorization of the book of Philippians. Oh, who's John? John Fornoff. Oh, the friend in Georgia. Yeah. And so, oh, sorry, I didn't say, I didn't tell you no. who it was. So this is so, this is so cool. So, so John said, he goes, all my friends, they were just casually listening. And by the time he got to like the fifth or sixth, seventh verse, all of a sudden, all of the party voices just started to calm down. And the next thing you knew, everyone started listening to this guy quoting the book of Philippians, not realizing that he was quoting the book of Philippians because he started paraphrasing it, speaking it directly to John. Wow. That I have these thoughts to you and every prayer of my remembrance of you and, and our, our partnership in the gospel. And, and John, John didn't even realize he was quoting from Philippians at the beginning. Wow. How did he know that he was quoting it? Well, eventually, by the time he got to the fourth chapter, you realize that he's quoting scripture, and John was just blown away that this friend had done that for him. You know, mm-hmm. that is an amazing gift. I would love something like that. So if you would memorize a whole book of the Bible, Molly, if you would do the book of Leviticus for me, that would be so cool. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to do Philippians. Okay, so we we left off in verse, verse uh, 20, Nine. 
29? Okay, here we go. You ready? So they constrained him, okay? Um, Verse 29, they constrained him, meaning they forcibly made him stay so that he could be at home with them. Okay, that's what the word means. How often do we constrain God to be with us? Hmm. Lord, I'm not moving until you show me what you want me to do. Lord, I, Lord, I am not going to one moment relent on seeing this person come to Christ. You are going to save this person no matter what. Can hmm. you imagine? I'll never forget it. 1979. You ready? 1978. My best friend, Frank Pagano, he comes to church with us, and he hears the gospel, and he's al- he almost comes to Christ as a Savior. He, we drive him home. He doesn't say a word all the way home, and he looks at me as I drop him off. He says, don't you ever invite me there again. This is a Baptist church. You know, we just happened to have an evangelist there that evening. And I said, I uh, can't do that. He goes, don't call me. Don't try to get me to come. I'm never coming again. Hmm. And so, like, go home, start praying. God, you got to say, Frank, he's really close to salvation. Satan wants to keep him away. Knock on his door at his house, in his apartment, and he doesn't answer the door. So, Frank, I know you're in there. And uh, after I start pounding on the door um, several times, he finally opens the door. It's got that chain. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes, you better get out of here or I'm going to call the police and have you arrested. I said, you come to church tonight and I will never do this again. And I wasn't. I'd only been saved like a few months or so, so I wasn't really telling the truth. So <laughs> I hadn't grown yet yet in that area. So, you know, finally I said, okay, listen, if you don't come to church, I'm going to break your door down. <laughs> Talk about forceful evangelism, right? Yeah, yeah. So he goes, I'm going to call the police. I said, you call the police. I said, I'm going to break your door down if you don't come to church tonight. So finally he goes, you promise me you'll never ask me again? I said, I promise. You know, so he comes to church, gets saved that night. My best friend. That's crazy. Right? He gets saved. Sometimes. We've got to do things, you know, outside the box, you know? <laughs> got to show God that we really mean it. My good friends, um, Cristiano Brothers, they've done all these films and uh, some really good stuff. Jonathan Sperry and, you know, all these cool films, Time Machine. Mm. I happened to go to school with them at college when uh, we were all there unsaved, okay? Mm. St. John Fisher College. We, our major was ping pong. <laughs> and uh, Wait, are, you, are they around the same age as you then? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We had a great time. You know, we didn't learn anything, but literally we were as unsaved as you can get. And and I get saved, and then they get saved, and they mm-hmm. start the whole movie company. Mm-hmm. And about, I don't know, 10 years later, I get a phone call, like 11 o'clock at night. He goes, Mark Hamby. And uh, it's both Dave and Rich on the phone. And, uh, and they happen to be in Mount Morris visiting a friend of theirs. Oh, that's crazy. So we go down there, re- reunited, and uh, and I said, how'd you guys get saved? And Dave looks at me and he goes, he goes, well, Rich got saved first. And they're they're twins, right? Oh, okay. They're twins. That. He goes, Rich got saved first. And then um, he tried to lead me to the Lord and, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then one day he he got me and put me against the wall and put his fist back and says, if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, I'm going to punch your lights out. <laughs> and <laughs> Dave got on his knees right there and uh, received Christ as a Savior. He goes, if it means that much to you, it's got to be real. That's awesome. Gloriously saved, mm-hmm. right? Unconventional, to say the least. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, we've got to be that way. You know, God is looking for everything we've got. Uh-huh. These men constrained Jesus to stay with him. They forcibly made him to stay so that he would be at home with them. And what was the result? 
Verse 29, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, (laughs) and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And I believe their eyes were opened because they saw the, as he passed the bread to them, they saw the nail prints in his hands. Oh, interesting. Or they were reminded of the Last Supper Mm. when he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples. Remarkable. Um, It's one of the two. I think it's because they saw the nail prints in his hands. And this is amazing. Their eyes were open and they knew him. Mm. Guess what the word knew him is? Epigonosco. Epigonosco. They knew him intimately Mm. at that moment. They knew who it was. And Jesus, in his unusual fashion, vanishes right before their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Gone. So weird. (laughs) I love it. You know? Yeah. Do you know why he vanished? Why? I have no no doubt in my mind why he vanished. Why? Because they've got to do something about it now. He just revealed something to them. And now they got to do something about it immediately. And notice what they do. And they said one to another, I love, I love this, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up in that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Mm. That's what God wants us to do. A, fan, a fanatical response is they had just walked seven miles. They get there. They have supper. It's dark out. And what do they do? They would go all the way back seven miles to Jerusalem in the dark. Hmm. And what do they do? They go and tell people that Jesus is risen, and that's what God wants us to do. No matter how difficult the road might be ahead of us, they were willing to travel to walk another seven miles. It probably took, who knows, four, five, six hours. You know, it's probably going to be late at night by the time they get there. And they're probably running this time. Mm-hmm. And where do they go? To the 11 disciples. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what the 11 disciples are like? You saw him? Yeah, and he vanished. And what happens next? Jesus walks right in the room. <laughs> when we do what God wants us to do, he will accompany us. And he'll go to the next place where we're supposed to be. And he'll continue to open hearts and open lives to believe that Jesus rose from the dead so that we can have eternal life with him. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Last night I was talking with somebody oh, about the same thing. And uh, he's very close to salvation. Mm-hmm. You should see it. He, when he hears the word, mm-hmm. he gets so excited. Hmm. Molly, this brings me all the way back full circle about my dad. Yeah. My dad was so closed off to the word of God, the way it was really written, closed off to Christianity. But when he saw someone that was fanatically in love with Jesus, he knew it was real. And as a result, he wanted to know more, which allowed him to read Christie's old organ and believe that he was going to go to home sweet home because he believed that Jesus was a savior. On his tombstone, guess what I have written? Home sweet home. Home sweet home. Mm. And underneath it, I have, though he was dead, though he were dead, yet he lives forevermore. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's what God can do in all of our lives. He has come so that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Well, we'll close it off here. We'll look more at Luke later. Um, one of the things that um, I just love to to share in, in a closing like this is uh, some of the books that we recommend. We just printed a book. I know I've said it before, but it's called Tip Lewis and His Lamp. Mm. We're already getting the reviews coming in from it. Mm-hmm. And Molly, it is a game changer. I think it's the best book we've ever printed. So this morning, I get it. 
I'm getting phone calls from people reading it. That's amazing. So a dad called me this morning and said his 15-year-old son just got punished um, because he, um, he did something recklessly. And, uh, and they, uh, they took away all of his computer privileges, his, his phones. They should have taken away anyways. And uh, he said, son, I want you read this book, and you're going to give me a book report when it's over with. So he's got to read Tip Lewis. He's got 200 pages in, mm-hmm. and the 15-year-old said, Dad, this is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And it's changing this son's whole thought process and how he's supposed to live his life. And so if you've not read Tip Lewis, please get it. We're thinking of doing an audio drama maybe on yes, it. Yes, we've been talking about that. I, I think it's very powerful. I know it do. is, but I don't know if we can make this better than the book. It's so well written. You never know. We'll, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on like the goal. Is the goal to make it better? Or? I don't know. And then on top of that, we printed a book for teenagers through adults called Come What May, another amazing story that um, changed the life of one of our staff members, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so we praise God for those two books. And then if you're looking for books that um, will help you grow in the area of evangelism, you can get this on Amazon, I'm sure. It's called um, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by, I think it's Packer. by... Oh, Packer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Evangel- that's one of my favorite books. Uh, I Piper wrote a book called um, Desiring God. Mm-hmm. I think that is excellent as well. And then one of the Lamplighter books that we have is called Titus, a Comrade of the Cross. Hmm. Very powerful book. And that one is available as an audio drama, too. Oh, it is. That's oh, Do you like the book better or the audio drama? I have not finished the book yet. Hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, but generally, I really love the book perspective. I think this one, I like the audio drama better. In fact, I changed the ending in the audio drama. That's great. Well, you usually do. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, when we recorded this in London, the man who played Jesus stood in front of the microphone in crucifixion position with his arms outstretched. He was an unsaved character, mm. unsaved individual who played the part of Jesus. He was one of the best actors that we could find. And uh, at the end, I'll never forget watching him. Tears were flowing down his face, and not because he was trying to play a part, but in re- real life mm-hmm. time. He was so moved by what he had, the part that he had played. That, mm-hmm. And he looked at us after probably two minutes standing there in crucifixion form. He stood there. I remember him looking up, still his arms outstretched. He looked up at um, me and the director and the engineer and just tears mm-hmm. flooding. He said, uh, I never realized what he had done for me. Mm-hmm. And then he had to come into the studio with us and he said, do you mind if I just sit here? And he stayed there for, I don't know, half an hour. He just, he couldn't speak. He just was very moved. Mm -hmm. And the story, Titus, A Comrade of the Cross, was written because of a contest throughout the entire world. The contest was that, and this is 18, probably 60s, I imagine, that the um, David C. Cook Publishing Company in both London and the U.S. set out a... Uh, contest that whoever could write a story to set a child's heart on fire for Christ would get a thousand dollar award. And um, this lady, Florence Kingsley, did some research on the two thieves of the cross and why the one repented and what was the significance behind it. She wrote the story. And um, within just a few months, they had to do a second printing and it became one of the most popular books of all time during that time period. And uh, someone sent it to me. I'll never forget it. It was a grandmother at a conference. 
And I was telling her The Basket of Flowers was the best book I'd ever read. And she looked at me and she handed it to me. She goes, this is the best book I've ever read. She goes, in fact, it led my five-year-old son to Christ. That's crazy. Yeah, when he was five. It's intense. I know. No, I wouldn't think it would be for young children, but a letter, five-year-old. So that's uh, some of the resources we have here at Lamplighter. And then lastly, if you're looking to lead someone to Christ, we have something that I think is the most powerful resource we've ever produced in our history. I'll share the first one. This is not the most powerful, but it is extremely powerful. It's called A Peep Behind the Scenes. It comes in book form. Um, I remember my wife reading it to my daughter when she was 12 years old, and the two of them would be just crying every morning. And a very um, emotionally powerful book on the Good Shepherd looking for um, the lost sheep, the lost lambs. It is an extraordinary book, as well as an audio drama that we did in London. It was the most expensive of all of our dramas. It comes in three different CDs. It's about, um, I don't know, four or five hours long. It is intense. Um, so that used to be our most powerful evangelistic drama. But then recently, um, one of our staff members, Sarah Pernavo, wrote the music for a new audio drama called Hungering and Thirsting. It's one of our books. Hmm. Uh, Molly, I don't think we've ever done anything as powerful evangelistically as this. Um, it, so if you're looking to lead loved ones to Christ, get Hungering and Thirsting audio drama it is probably one of the most powerful resources I've ever come across of leading people to Christ. So if you've got loved ones, you don't want to miss it. It comes in MP3 or CD. Yeah. That brings us to a conclusion. Thanks again for joining us at Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby with Molly Mayo and our engineer, Tabitha. <laughs> God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Lamplighter Theater's very first audio drama musical. Many, many questions running through my mind. If I keep on asking the answers, I will find. A little girl named Kitty, a mysterious note, and a quest that will change her eternity and the lives of everyone around her. This is Hungering and Thirsting. Along the way, Kitty meets Mr. Scott, the elusive neighbor with a secret. Mm. Dick, the street peddler who struggles to believe God is good. You can have it. And Jamie, the crippled boy abandoned by his father. Please help me. How can a good God allow suffering in the world? To order Hungering and Thirsting, go to lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.